This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. Thank you so much for joining us. I am glad you are here with us again today as we continue our journey towards uh, creating a just society. As I say so often, right where we are. We often can get discouraged, lost, and sometimes just not sure what to do. Well, today we're going to get some instructions from an ancient prophet of Israel. His name is Habakkuk. We're going to actually study Habakkuk. I've meant to do this for some time now because the many times I've read the prophecy of Habakkuk, which is a short uh, book of the Old Testament of the Bible, Habakkuk really has some issues with injustices in his days, and he wants to see justice happen. And we're going to study him to answer and to see the questions back and forth between Habakkuk and God and God's answers to the problem of injustice. We're going to study this prophet. We're going to grapple with questions about injustice that seems to be ignored by God. And we're going to look at God's very bizarre ways of bringing about justice. Now, Habakkuk is venerated by Christians in Judaism and in the Islamic religion. Islam venerates Habakkuk, and uh, so do other religions, meaning that he's a very important figure in the ancient Middle East. But who was this person? That's We need to get to know the person, and then once we do, then we'll understand where he's coming from. You know, none of us operates within a vacuum. We, we are influenced by our culture, by our, our, our times, political, you know, what political scene is going on around us, trends around us. You know, there's all kinds of things that influences us. We don't just randomly come to believe and think and understand the things we do. And Habakkuk is the same. Now, Habakkuk's prophecy comes around 612 BC. And at this time, the Babylonian Empire is beginning to take form. Remember, the the people of Israel were taken off to captivity in Babylon, but that had not yet happened in Habakkuk's day. This empire is just beginning to take form. The Babylonians had conquered Egypt and now are beginning to invade Israel. Now, again, keep in mind, these prophets didn't exist in a vacuum. I mean, this is, is influencing them. They're seeing these things in real time. That is the current local news in Habakkuk's day. So real world events are happening around Habakkuk, just as they do in our lives today. So he's, he's seeing that there's an empire forming, that Egypt has been conquered. That's a big deal. Israel's now beginning to get conquered, so it's getting close to home. So here comes the prophet Habakkuk on the scene. 
Now, the, the prophecy of Habakkuk is divided into the, these sections. A first complaint from Habakkuk, God's first answer. A second complaint from Habakkuk, God's answer and Habakkuk's attempt at understanding. One of the things that Habakkuk could not understand was why he was being forced to look at the injustices happening in Israel. But God reminds the prophet that Israel brought it upon themselves. So Habakkuk's like, you know, why do I have to see this and not be able to do anything about it? You know, uh, and that's really when God is using you and wants to use you to bring about a good, he will put you in a situation to see the bad first. Before you can really work out justice, God's going to make you see some things you don't necessarily want to see because he's got to stir up within you to see and feel the reality of what's going on. Now, I want us to note that in chapter 1, verse 5, Habakkuk's complaint there is that the law is slacked. When the laws of society are not enforced, then injustice results. And that happens in our day. We see the defund the police movement. And as the police forces are are defunded, well, we end up with a lot of crime, a lot of shootings because the criminals realize, uh, well, I can get away with this. And now we've got uh, lots of people being let out of prison who probably shouldn't be let out of prison. People who get arrested, but their cases are never tried because of a lack of funding for the the district attorneys. And so we see that, well, as Solomon tells us, nothing is new under the sun. And so in 612 BC, Habakkuk has the same complaint to God. The laws are slacked. Like people are just getting away with murder. Now, remember, I said back in the uh, in the introduction today that God's answer to Habakkuk is Israel brought this upon themselves. And, and an important first question when we see injustice is this. Did I cause this? Did I cause this injustice to happen? Did I bring it upon himself? Is this my karma? <laughs> Okay. For example, if you smoke all your life and then the doctor tells you you have lung cancer, well, you might want to ask yourself why that might be, uh, rather than blaming everybody else or becoming angry and bitter. And in today's world, we see the injustice of child slave labor, and we have to ask ourselves the question, am I causing this? Am I the cause of child slave labor? by buying products from companies that use this evil practice. The fact is, if people found out that a company was using child slave labor and everybody just said, you know what, we're not going to buy another product from this company, the company would have to change their practices or go out of business. So if we know that a corporation is using child slave labor uh, in order to, to make its products and we continue to buy that company's products, we are at fault for that injustice of child slave labor because we're taking part in it. Now, Israel was a divided nation in Habakkuk's day, and their choices caused many injustices in the land, coupled with external injustices. So Habakkuk was forced by God to, t- to look inwardly at the answer to this struggle. 
So Israel needed to first correct its own actions before pointing the finger at anyone else. Now, I know that's a tough pill to swallow. It can be hard to hear this, but when we see injustices, we really, if we want to create a just society, a very important first step would be, hey, am I to blame for this? Am I part and parcel of this problem? Now, Habakkuk was shocked at God's answer when, you know, I'm sure that Habakkuk was expecting God to save the day and to give him this nice pat answer, but he was actually shocked at God's answer and that God was going to bring justice to Israel. You ready for this? God was going to bring justice to Israel by using the Babylonians as the instrument of justice. What? Are you serious? In today's context, that would be like us in America complaining to God of the injustices in America and God saying, first of all, it's our own fault, then saying that he would use China to make everything right in America. <laughs> It'd be like, are you kidding me? You're using China to make everything right in America, but that's what's happening to Habakkuk. That's the same thing going through his mind. He's like, God says, yeah, I'm going to make everything okay in Israel. I'm going to use the Babylonians to correct things. And Habakkuk is like, um, that is totally not the answer I was looking for. How can this be? So Habakkuk follows up by reminding God that the Babylonians are tyrants. As if God's forgetful. We don't need to remind God of anything, just so you know. Okay, God's, God's clued in. Okay, God has perfect knowledge, perfect wisdom. God's very clued in. But Habakkuk reminds him, God, you do know the Babylonians are tyrants, right? And it would be like us saying, God, you do know Chinese are communists, right? You know, they're, they're kind of brutal, you know, as if God didn't know that. So how can a tyrannical nation bring about justice? So we get into chapter 2 of Habakkuk's prophecy, and God shows that he is clued in to what is happening. Note, in chapter 2, God says, wait for it. Don't force things, just wait on me. You know, sit back and be entertained by what I am doing. Because this is God's cosmic drama not ours, okay? So uh, if if we think that God's clueless in the moment, now remember, this is God's cosmic drama. This, this thing of creation is God's creation. And so God says to Habakkuk in chapter 2, wait for it. In other words, just sit back and be entertained <laughs> by what I'm about to do. The fact is, God has the ability to accomplish multiple things in a single stroke. God knows how to use one action to answer multiple questions and to correct multiple wrongs in, multi in multiple parties with just one stroke of the pen. You know, for us, usually one action means one outcome. God knows how to bring out several outcomes out of one action. You know, do you look at Job, the book of Job? For us, we would think, okay, Job has lost all of his kids. Job's lost his home. He's lost his health. So what we need to do is we need to do the single thing of getting Job some health care, 
get them a good doctor, and we need to get some raise some taxes to fund affordable housing for Job, right? <laughs> we would be in this sort of um, um, singular thought, singular outcome rhythm. But what does God do with Job? With one stroke of the pen, God teaches Job's friends. He humbles and purifies Job and makes him into a better man than he was before. And he defeats Satan all in this one stroke. And God has the ability to do that. Often we get so impatient and think that we have all the answers. But listen, justice is a process. It is God's process. So let's discuss a very important reality. And it's this. You and I do not know everything. Okay? We do not know everything. We actually know very little So let's be honest, when we look at a situation, we are not interpreting that situation accurately. We make a judgment of the situation based on what we think we are seeing, and often we oversimplify the narrative of what we think we are seeing. So for example, I've mentioned Jean-Paul Sartre. Sartre gives this example of meeting Pierre at the cafe, and if he shows up late. If Sartre shows up late to the cafe, Pierre has left, but he's not there. Sartre could, says he could interpret this as Pierre has not showed up or Pierre has left me hanging or Pierre is a jerk. Or I could interpret that Pierre was here, but because I'm late, Pierre took off thinking I'm not coming. So in other words, what Sartre is saying is when I see a situation, I I see the canvas of the situation, the people in the background, people sitting table, I hear the conversations, but there's something missing that helps me clarify this, and that is Pierre, you see. And so we do the same thing. We constantly judge situations by what we think we're seeing and not necessarily by by what really is. You take slavery, for example, uh, Candace Owens, this African-American woman who is very outspoken on the false narratives of our society around black people and around slavery, explains its history. I was watching YouTube and Candace Owens does this incredible explanation of the history of slavery, but she states it's an oversimplification to say that the white man is bad and the black man is a victim. You know, she goes on to explain why she says that or abortion. Keep in mind, you know, that the mind-numbing struggle in the ghettos, the mind-numbing struggle that people in the ghettos, which is where Planned Parenthood usually puts their centers, people are stuck in those places. They can't get out of those situations, and it's an oversimplification to just say we just need to end abortion. That's an oversimplification. No, we don't just end abortion. We've got to realize the lifelong and generational struggle that's happening in those areas and realize the problems are much deeper. Or mass shootings, for example. The oversimplification is what? We need more gun control. No. (laughs) The person who did that mass shooting needs a deep conversion of the heart. 
You know, maybe there's things in our life. We got to look back and get down to roots of things. So in each situation, there's a thousand various factors at play that are invisible to us. So now if we cannot even begin to understand the factors at play, then how can we even have a clue as to what the answer is? This is why we should just focus right where we are as we do not have the capacity as humans to understand the big picture. Habakkuk could not understand what was going on, let alone know the answer. So what does God suggest? Wait, wait for it. Just wait. In chapter three, verse two of Habakkuk, it says in wrath, remember mercy In wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk is praying in chapter three to God because he's had a conversation. He's complained to God. He, he, God's given him an answer. He's complained back to God, gets another answer. And I didn't get into all the details. And I really encourage you to read Habakkuk to get more details of what's going on. But in his prayer, Habakkuk admits that he did not understand the deep things. But what did he did pray and ask God for that God in your wrath against Israel, please remember mercy. Habakkuk now realizes that the more important than just straight up justice is mercy. Why? Because if you just have justice, then everybody ends up dead. Straight up justice looks like this. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. And so straight up justice leaves everybody injured and dead. What we need with justice is also mercy. And that's when it comes to homelessness, for example. Yeah, we need justice, but we also need mercy. And so we have to discern for ourselves when we see people shooting up drugs on the streets, people stealing from others, and so on, justice needs to be had in those situations. But we also realize we're dealing with some people who are severely mentally ill. Where does mercy come into play? Now, the other end of the pendulum, where a lot of people go, is instead of straight-up justice, they just use straight-up mercy, so basically anything goes. But you can't have that. You have to balance justice with mercy. So notice that Habakkuk doesn't pray, God, don't have wrath. Don't show your wrath. Don't bring justice. No, he doesn't say that. He's like, I get justice needs to come to Israel. But don't just bring justice, but remember your mercy as well. And if we're going to be a people of justice and creating a just society in our neighborhoods, we need to have those two balancing factors in play at all times justice and mercy because they balance each other out and they're both equally important and really in the end mercy is better than justice because mercy transforms the heart of the unjust you don't just want people's actions corrected you don't want people to just stop being unjust Really what you want is for their hearts to be transformed so that they themselves become a people of justice. So when you see tyrants and terrorists doing what they do, 
Wouldn't it be wonderful if they had a conversion of heart and became charitable, kind, and loving, and serving people? I mean, we do have an example in history of that in St. Paul the Apostle. St. Paul was a serial killer. I mean, he was just on a mission to kill all the Christians, and he was a terrorist. And then what happens? He has a conversion of heart and encounter with Jesus Christ, and he became a kind, loving, gentle, humble servant. So it's possible. So what happened with Paul? Justice. In fact, Paul says the reason why I keep getting all these beatings, getting put in prison, is because of all the sins I committed in my past. It's my penance. So justice. But Paul also talks about the mercy he received from God because he's not dead and in hell. True justice would kill us all off. And if we don't have a merciful society, then we cannot truly know a just society. So I hope this study in Habakkuk has been a challenge and an inspiration to you. Because every time I've read it, read it, and I encourage you to read it, because there's just a lot going on in just three short chapters. Now I got a question. Are you a prayer warrior? Now I didn't say prayer warrior. I said prayer warrior. You know, you pray and then you take everything into your own hands. Well, Habakkuk starts the prophecy as a prayer warrior by talking to God about the decision and then tried figuring out the answer himself. However, God changed him into a prayer warrior by the third chapter when Habakkuk offers up this beautiful prayer to God. Notice that after he prays, Habakkuk simply hands the prophecy over to the choir director. Now, I didn't read from Habakkuk today for sake of time. Again, I encourage you to read it yourself. But at the very end of the prophecy, Habakkuk, it says, hands it over to the choir director in the temple. So he's saying, I've just had this dispute with God. I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of things really troubling me when it comes to the injustices I'm seeing But through this prayer I just prayed, I've resolved it. So I'm going to hand this prophecy over to the choir director in the temple and then just let go of control. To truly experience a just world is to seek mercy and to do our part by being just towards others and leaving the results to God. Let us seek mercy and justice as we create a just society right where we are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.